Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, the podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Stephen and for today's episode, let's meet Kate. Hello Kate, welcome to People of Canterbury Baptist. Hello Stephen, thank you for having me. It's actually a joy to have you here. I've been, I've been looking forward to this conversation, looking forward to just, just hearing something of your story as well. And I'm sure people at Canterbury Baptist are, are also looking forward to hearing your voice and hearing your story. So shall we dive straight into it? Yep, sounds good. I have a very hard question I always start with, so brace yourself. It is, where were you born? I was born here in Melbourne. Have you, yeah. uh, and how would you describe your childhood? Good. I grew up in a in a loving family. Um, uh, well, good up till the age of about thirteen, I right. would say. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. But just just everything before thirteen everything, years of age. Well, yeah, real, yeah. No, I I grew up in a you know a stable, loving family. Um, still have really close relationship with my parents. So I'm very thankful for my childhood. Yeah. How, how many siblings do you have? Um, I have two. Um, so two older sisters. Okay. That's good. Um, and uh, in, in, in your primary school year, what's sort of the the, the, uh, the the strongest memory you have of your primary school years? Um, well, actually, I started at, um, just at Canterbury Primary, close here. And back in those days, we used to be the happy, it used to be the Happy Apple um, School. We all had like these jumpers with the little um, bite out in the apple and they used to have the Happy Apple Fair every two years. And that was just like a highlight of primary school. And they used to sell lots of toffee apples. So, yeah, and have rides. So... Do you have any yeah. idea what the significance of the apple was? Uh, no. <laughs> Probably something to do with health, but uh, I, I always remember the toffee apples at the fair, which is not that healthy, but, yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. So would you have considered yourself a good student or were you just sort of enjoying the social life and the, and the toffee apples? <laughs> um, oh, no, I, I, um, I always really liked learning. I still like learning, so um, I did enjoy – I enjoyed school. I enjoyed school for, for friendships and for learning, yeah. And uh, it, it, so uh, what high school did you end up going into? Um, I went to Strathcona. Okay. Wow. Yep. Private girl school? I'm a local girl. Oh, you're <laughs> I, truly haven't local. Moved, I haven't moved so, very far. So any time between <laughs> then and the end of high school, did, 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 did you go on any long family trips? Did you have any exposure to the world outside of Canterbury? Uh, yeah, yeah. I did quite a lot of travel throughout uni. And um, Brett and I lived overseas for a couple of years in the Middle East as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So after high school, you then made up for all of the lack of tra- tra- travel in your primary and yeah. high school years. Yeah, that's right. Through yeah. your university. and All right. Which we'll definitely get there as well. Is We're yeah. flagging topics to come back to <laughs> um, uh, uh, later on. Um, it, it, in your high school years, was there a sense of direction for you? Did you have a sense of career or a particular interest that was that was drawing your attention? Um, no, I never knew what I wanted to do. Um, I liked lots of things, I guess. And actually, my father was an engineer, um, and I actually he used to work. He was in structural engineering, and I used to go to his office, and there was like fo- photos of you know steel and construction. And I just thought it was completely boring. It was actually my mum who suggested it you know, when I was in year 11 and 12, because she said, but you really like maths and you like problem solving. And um, I was like, oh, no, engineering, that would be, you know. But we went around and, and spoke to a few people at universities and I realised that it was so much broader. And I particularly spoke to some of the females doing um, engineering. And um, and I was like, but I don't like machinery. I don't like mechanics. Will I be diff- disadvantaged? I don't know anything about cars. I'm not interested. And they were like, no, 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 it's not anything like that. It's way broader. So, um, yeah, so there was me and one other girl who I'm still good friends with from, from school um, who studied engineering. We decided we'd do it together. So, um, yeah. So what did you actually study in university, the actual degree? Um, so it was civil engineering. Okay. Yeah. So 
and now I'm in, I, I went into water. Um, so I always joke it was less dry than some of the other subjects. <laughs> oh, like uh, no. we literally had subjects called concrete and timber 101 and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I went into something that was a little bit more uh, – well, I found a bit more interesting. I shouldn't say that to any of the uh, engineers out there who, <laughs> who love their concrete and steel. But yeah, let's uh, let's circle back as as a young as a young child. What sort of exposure did you have to church? Um, so I went to church um, from about the age. I think I was probably in grade one or grade two when some neighbours moved in across the road, and my mum and and the the mum of our neighbours they were quite interested in going to church, whereas um, our dads weren't they'd had bad experiences with church or didn't I know with my father it was more he just felt very uncomfortable in church um having gone when he was growing up so um yeah so our our mums and and me and my neighbours were sort of similar age we all started going to church and so I went to Sunday school um was an Anglican church so I was confirmed in the Anglican church so yeah so I did have some um some some church background and then I went to a you know a Baptist school um that's the high school, the Strathcona. Mm, yeah, but I would say I actually, uh, I really, I did an alpha course when I was at university and I would say some of the fundamental things that I learned in alpha had completely missed me by even though I'd gone to, like just the concept of Jesus being God and the concept of having an actual relationship with God had never really sunk into then. Like I remember being surprised. Wow. That's so, Let's yeah. let's get there yeah. in a minute. I love this. You're like flagging all these topics <laughs> for me. I really appreciate this. Um, any sense? Have you have you had any sense from your dad in the years in the years that you you know that since um, what the experience was of church that made him feel disconnected from it? Um. Uh, he doesn't really like to talk about it much. Um, he he went to a Presbyterian church growing up, and it was very much something that their family did. They always went to church on Sunday mornings and came home and had their sort of family lunch together and then quiet time <laughs> on Sundays. So um, I know he feels uncomfortable and I know I think he has an issue with people thinking they're right, like one religion thinking they're right over another. Like I think he finds that difficult. So did your mum have any particular church or religious background? Um, yeah, she was Anglican. Yeah, so she it's, grew up in Anglican church. And so, and so they got married and, and uh, up until what about grade one, uh, church was not a part of your family's life at all? No, so and so not for my elder sisters either. So I think it was really when these neighbours, some good friends moved, they're still friends, still neighbours, um, you know, moved in and, and they were keen to go to church and mum, yeah, and mum decided to go along and she very much believes in Christian values, mm. um, not so much the relationship part, but, you know, yeah, and we certainly grew up with Christian values. What's your strongest memory uh, as a young child uh, coming into church in a church environment? Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the you know the other kids in the Sunday school. Um, I wanted to be confirmed. I wanted. To, I reckon that was part of you know I was the youngest by seven and nine. Uh, seven and nine years behind my sister. So everyone in my family has kind of grown up. They got to do grown up things. And to me, I remember <laughs> being because uh, you had to wait till you were eleven, and I was desperate to like you know I did all the classes. As soon as I was eleven, I got confirmed because I wanted to be old enough to take the communion. It made I think it made me feel you know like I was grown up too. So I remember that. And the other thing I remember at Christmas, I used to love doing the oranges. We used to have the oranges with the um. They had the ribbon and the candle in it, and it was a Christmas Eve service, and that was I, I loved that. I don't know. I don't know why. They're just yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. lovely. It's a no sense of Sunday school or uh, or youth group 
in in that uh, in that culture that you remember anyway? Um, I did. I had a few like Christian friends at school in in at, at uh, in at Strathcona, and that's like I definitely wasn't going to church anymore. But I did go to youth group a few times just as a friend to them, and just sort of enjoyed the games. I wasn't sure about the whole Christian stuff, but mm. happy, you know, I wasn't anti it. Mm. Um, yeah. Now you flagged earlier on about about uh, you being age thirteen being something of a turning point. What what took place at age thirteen? Uh, so my eldest sister and, and a few people at Canterbury have heard me talk about this before, but my eldest sister went missing when I was thirteen. She was twenty two. Um, she'd been having some mental health issues, and um, my parents were trying to get her some proper sort of psychiatric help, but. Um, because she was over eighteen, they had no sort of legal rights to do that, and you can't you can't force someone to get help until they're, you know, at the point where they're going to harm you or harm themselves. And they were obviously trying to do that before it got to that point, but but couldn't. And then she went missing. So she missing and and ever found? No. Okay. So so to this day, still missing. Yeah. yeah. That that. Must have been a devastating experience for the entire family. Can you do, do you have any strong memories of, of of your own experience of learning that your older sister was missing, and then the sort of weeks that followed? And I'm, I'm sure there was searching and investigations that took place. Yeah, well, she actually left a note saying "unsafe here," which meant, which you know, in hindsight, we mum and dad would never have said. But because she left a note and she's over eighteen, she can't officially be missing. So no, no formal investigation. So my parents have searched and used private detectives and stuff, but to no avail over the years. And then at some point you sort of get to the point where I think you have to stop for your own mental health. But um, but they did they did continue to search for a number of years and through friends and all sorts of avenues. But, I mean, it was really, I suppose it was a couple of years really prior were very just confused, I think, for everyone um, of, of things deteriorating and not knowing how to help. And, um, yeah, and I think... Church. So, Mum and I were still sort of going to church. I can't remember how regularly, um, but you know, it really just became. I think when you get to that point of crisis, you know, it felt like a crisis, and church was a bit irrelevant. Really, I didn't have a sense of relationship with God then. You know, I knew the sort of, you know, the basics and the Holy Trinity and some of that mm. sort of stuff, but I don't. I it it wasn't help. It didn't help in any way, and I don't think. Um, I don't think my mum found it either and then it just sort of, you know, I think if it doesn't help in a situation like that, you think, well, what's the point of this? Um, it sort of became a bit irrelevant really. Um, and, uh, there, you know, and just <laughs> there are a few. Um, I think the final straw was um, there used to be a really overweight man who came and he used to have trouble getting down and up for communion. My mum noticed he wasn't there, hadn't been there for a few weeks and queried and one of the guys who was on the lead, I can't even remember what they call it, it's called a deacon or something, sort of said, oh, yeah, well, you, you know, he stopped coming. Thank goodness we got rid of that fat guy. <laughs> so that sort of happened at the same time. I think it was just for both of us. It was just kind of like, well, this is just, it's not genuine. Like, it's just pointless. Like, just, you know. And then for me, I think it really... Um, you know, I started questioning the whole suffering, you know, part of like, well, I don't want to believe in a God who lets, you know, suffering happening. And not, I think, I think I was quite aware then of like how acutely sad my family was from losing one family member. And then you look at the world, you know, and I was old enough then to look at the world. You think, well, people in Africa are losing their whole families or living in poverty or there's wars and there's, you know, people go through these horrendous things. And so I was really like, you know what? I'm done. Like I don't want to believe in a God that that lets this happen. So, um, yeah. 
that's sort of where I was and um and 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 was that way sort of for 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 quite a few years although not anti not you know like I was happy to go along to youth group and you know I wasn't yeah I wasn't sort of angry or angry at Christians or whatever I was just I just it just wasn't genuine for me and we'll get to how you re-engage with faith later on because I'm I'm fascinated as to to that part of the story but if you can just dwell in that moment for just for a few more moments um, as you think back to yourself as a 13-year-old, how do you think, aside from the faith stuff that, that you've just outlined, how do you think this experience changed you personally? Oh, I think just suddenly everything was grey. Mm. It changed from black and white to grey. But I'm actually, I'm thankful for that. I'm really thankful that I just, I just, and the other thing was like I'd changed, like I'd just started at high school and stuff and it was quite painful and it was quite complex um, so I just didn't tell people, and because I wasn't okay with talking about it, um, I just didn't tell people that I had an older sister and they wouldn't have a clue because my sister, my other sister was just starting uni and she actually moved out. So it was just me at home with mum and dad. So I just, it was just easy to just go, all right, that's a complete separate. And and I actually really enjoyed school. I had, I, I'm really thankful. I have, I still have quite a lot of school friends that I'm in contact with and I, I, I always enjoyed the learning. So um, it was almost like school was my escape. Like that was just kind of the, um, the bit. So I, the thing that was really that I remember that stuck out stood out to me was like people would have no idea what's going on in my life. Mm. So you can never be sure what's going on in people's lives um, because it was actually really easy to hide. <laughs> so I found that really interesting, and I just and that idea of just always trying to go well, what's what's happening to them, or, or that idea of trying to look. And I mean, we all we could all improve in this area, isn't it? Of empathy, of trying to look in other people's shoes. But I think that became, you know, that and that's something I try and do, not always successfully. But I think it did. I think it did give me that different perspective, and just to see that life is messy. Um, it is, and and lots of stuff goes on. Um, and there was also no one to blame. I thought that was a really interesting. You know, it was just crap. <laughs> um, but no one was at fault. There wasn't like it was. It was. It's. It's like she died, mm. but there was no. There was no tangible kind of. You know, oh, it was a car accident, or this happened, or and I'm sure that happens in lots of accidents. You know, but it was sort of like you wanted to be angry, but there was kind of no one to be angry at. It was just a crappy situation. So yeah. It's a really deep, deep experience for a 13-year-old to go through. But I, I really appreciated your analysis because probably those two things, just recognising the grey the, the areas and things and, and recognising that everyone's got a story, there's more going on under the surface than what we can see in the surface. Um, as, you were, as you were outlining those things, I thought, yeah, that almost defines Kate's character and personality as I know you now. Is the, These are characteristics that I actually see in you a lot, that, 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 that desire and that, or that instinct for, that, for empathy, that always looking, trying to look behind the surface of things and see what's going on, or almost just assuming that there's something going on behind the scenes almost as a first assumption and not falling into black and white categories. And so, yeah, I, I, I guess if, if I turn that statement into a question, the question is, is can you see in yourself that that this experience and the way it shaped your thinking has continued and even formed you into your, your your adult years? Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely has. Yeah, and actually, I feel I I find black and white hard. Like I I yeah, I feel more comfortable in the grey, which is interesting. Having um, spoken with Brett and his his growing up in a faith, he he felt more comfortable. He said when he was younger, not so much now, but he's like, I always felt more comfortable with black and white. It was safer, you know, whereas I'm like, oh, I find black and white not safe because I'm worried about what about all the grey and all the unknowns. So, yeah, so I think it has definitely, yeah, and it's interesting 
um, to do that. And and look, the other thing I'd say about that experience is that um, I did become, and I was the only one home with my mum and dad, and I'm um, I became very close to my mum and dad. And I also I think from watching them lose a child, and there were some tricky circumstances, um, and it was difficult, and yet I saw how much. I guess by seeing how much they grieved, you realised how much they loved, you know, and so I grew up feeling very loved. Um, yeah, and I, I just I feel very blessed, especially I, I guess also when you get older and you hear other people's stories and you realise that there's so many people who don't get that. I just see that as a huge blessing from my life. Um, and I think if that hadn't happened, I, I potentially may not be as aware, you know, so and as appreciative for that. So, um, So I'm very thankful for that. It's an extraordinary perspective um, watching your parents grieve for your older sister communicated to you how much they loved you. Yes. That's yeah. an extraordinary perspective to, to have, an, an amazing point of view. Let's take you into your university years. So here you are, uh, finished high school, you're now studying civil engineering, doing what do you call it, a wet degree or something? What, what, was, what was the phraseology you used earlier on? It wasn't as dry. It no, wasn't as dry. As I right. didn't get to do that, yeah. It, we, we we had to do everything until your final year chose and I chose to go into water engineering, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, did you, uh, around this time, you, you mentioned travelling through university. So so let's let's put university aside just for one minute. Let's talk travel. What kind of travel did, did you do during your university years? Uh, well, my my other sister, she had moved. She and her husband uh, at the time they lived in Thailand. They'd go gone over there to live. So I went. That was probably the first my first trip. Went over and live. Um, uh, had a holiday with them. And I, I love visiting people when they're living in a country because I think you get a different, um, you know, real different side to it. So I saw Bangkok. So that was really different. Um, so that's probably the first. And then at the end of third year, me and my girlfriend, the same one who uh, had. We'd been to school together and decided to study engineering together. Um, we both took a year off and we um, we did some different things for the first half of the year. I went and worked um, sort of as, as a trainee engineer in Switzerland um, and then we met up in the second half of the year. She did a bit of work in London and we, we travelled and um, she probably inspired me. She's really adventurous. Um, she was like, oh, I met this couple who um, – this older couple, they've travelled all around the world and they said their favourite country is Iran – so I reckon we should go to Iran. And I was like, what? <laughs> so uh, we travelled, we, you know, we were backpacking. We were 20, 21 maybe. Um, we backpacked down to Turkey and applied for visas. We had to put our sarongs on our head to cover our hair just to apply for the visas. And we hung out in Turkey, which was amazing for a few weeks, and then heard that, yes, we'd got visas approved. And we had this, like, two-day bus trip across Turkey and into Iran and, and travelled around Iran. So that was probably one of the more exper- interesting experiences. Um, she knew an Iranian family from here, so we were able to go and stay with some of their family who were still in Iran. Um, that was really eye-opening in that some of the questions they had from us, like being Westerners and just how, you know, our stereotypes of, you know, um, Middle Eastern people and Muslims versus their stereotypes of us. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed that and, um, yeah, and did a bit of backpacking around Europe and stuff. And then um, I also, my sister and brother-in-law lived, lived overseas a bit. They were in the States, I think, by the end of that year so. Um, I was able to visit them there. 
Um, yeah. So and then and then yeah, did some travel later when we lived overseas too. Yeah. So, so that trip you just described is that? Or, or was, I did it a year. Was that one long trip, sort of around the world trip, or was that sort of going back and forth from Australia to these different countries? Um, no, that was. So I took a year off. So okay. I went and worked for sort of six months. Had uh, had yeah, back in the day where you could buy those round the world air tickets. Yes. So I stopped off in yeah, stayed mainly in Europe, but visited America and then came home. Yeah. So um yeah, um so that was good. But yeah. I love – I like I, – I've definitely enjoyed travelling in countries where the culture is different. Um, I think I was inspired – my aunt growing up used to tell us all these stories of her travel and she'd been all through Asia and stuff when she was young. And um, so I was always just interested. I think it's really interesting to see how people live, mm. you know, what makes people tick, I guess. So that's, I think it's an excellent opportunity just for us to pause this conversation. Let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's come back for uh, the second half of our conversation and uh, let's pick up the story of how you met Brett and then let's kind of move more up into the present day. But thank you, Kate. I really appreciate your willingness just to open up your story and share, share so wonderfully well and we look forward to having you back. No worries. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who was tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterrybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Kate directly and thank her for her contribution today. The music is a song of the first step by Andrew Naylor from the album Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist. <laughs>